0: Amen. Yeah. now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve
1: days. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid
2: of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will rise in america
0: this is steve dace
2: and greetings welcome to today's podcast powered by crtv here on iheart itunes and stitcher my name is steve dace todd and aaron are here as well we'd love it if you would join us steve at stevedace.com is the email address like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve dace show last name is spelled d-e-a-c-e and men we just finished uh wrapping up today's show for crtv let's give the audience a little tease of what's to come today at crtv.com if they use that promo code dace todd give them a little preview
1: well the latest chapter in what um anybody who's being honest from a pro-life perspective uh has got to say this has been uh a losing battle um Without going into the details of the, the particular legislation, uh, we, uh, or Steve, right out of the gate, offers a prescription of the way you need to address this without apology going forward.
0: Yeah, Aaron. Uh, and uh, I we, we got into a lot of very important things uh, on today's show, uh, and I, I hope we do that on, on a regular basis. Otherwise, it wouldn't be... Uh, very uh, profitable to uh, to do this show, but uh, I think one of the, the main ones that we got into with with Daniel Horowitz was a story yesterday that was not covered a, a whole lot. And I'm not going to say any, anything more than that, uh, but it is to me another indication, uh, well, not only of how broken uh, institutions that we should at least have some level of trust or confidence in are at this point in our country Uh, it's also another indication of why in my mind we need to do one thing if we have any chance or any hope of recovering after revival of of recovering some of those institutions and i i get into what i think that is at the end of the show
2: if you've not yet subscribed to crtv today's a good day to do it CRTV.com promo code DACE use my last name D-E-A-C-E you get a subscription for a discount you don't just get our show though you get every other show we produce each and every day here at CRTV including the great one Mark Levin Promo code DACE at CRTV.com, D-E-A-C-E. And yes, we have monthly subscription options available. You can also do the free trial. Try us for the trial period. If you're like, you know, this isn't for me, cancel any point during that trial period. You won't be charged a dime. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. It's time for Worldview Wednesday. I personally believe... Elitism. Marxism. Atheist. Government intervention. Secular humanist, Liberals and conservatives. Materialism. Nihilism. U.S. Americans. Christian.
0: Globalist. Socialist. Democracy. Worldview, as the word suggests, is how we look at the world around us. How do we understand... Life as it hits us in the face. Libertarian.
2: Tea partyer The free market. Nobody
1: is without a worldview. The only question is, is it a good one or a bad one?
0: So it becomes the glasses, the spectacles, the filter through which they're actually seeing life. And the whole universe and the world and human life is understood through that lens. This is Steve Dace.
2: And this is Worldview Wednesday, your college philosophy class via podcast available here courtesy of our friends and partners at CRTV that make this free podcast available each and every week. And this is where we go a little bit deeper into the details, uh, more into the worldviews that really are the origins of the, the issues, the debates, the topics that are discussed and we clash over every single day here in our culture. And one of the issues we are we are discussing and we're clashing over right now is the issue of guns and the Second Amendment in light of what happened in Las Vegas. The intention of this conversation is not, um, is not to be dismissive of what those who disagree with people like us on this issue think. I'm going to actually use this to earnestly engage Their arguments, even the timing of them, for the purposes of helping us to be better equipped to respond. Because I think we need to understand what the worldview behind the other side's driving impulse is. And I do think sometimes we on the right are a little disingenuous. I'm as nauseated by, the before the bodies are, are cool or we have names identified, let's talk about gun control. Before we even know whether they armed, the weapons were purchased legally, illegally, right? First reports we had, he purchased machine guns. Well, those are illegal. Then we found out he purchased them legally, but he had a modifier on them that allowed him to become uh, automatic weapons that most Americans hadn't heard of until the Obama ATF a few years ago said they were perfectly fine. Right? You see how the facts have already changed? So we're already making arguments based on facts we don't even know, right? Because a bunch of us were on Twitter saying, well, if they're machine guns, they're illegal already, so what else do you want? Well, it turns out they weren't machine guns. So both sides, and, and, I, and on our, to defend our own side, we will, of course, and mostly, mostly rightly make the case, we're really just responding to them. They're the ones launching the first salvo here but from their perspective they're like okay I get it so the minute a Muslim terrorist does something bad we can right away talk about how bad Islam is but the minute somebody does something bad with a gun we can't immediately talk about gun control maybe they don't have a point maybe they're apples and oranges but this is where we have to decide do we want to win an argument or do we just want to have one do you want to win an argument, Todd, or do you want to have one? I'm longing to win an
1: argument. Aaron, I what would you prefer, having one or it, winning thinking one? thinking about it.
2: yeah,
0: um, Win.
2: So here's the thing. When you're the majority in the culture, you can just have arguments. Because by virtue of having them, that creates a dog whistle effect. And the majority of the people who respond to said signal belong to who? You. Are we said majority in this culture right now? No. Okay. So then it's not enough to just have an argument. We have to be willing to win it. Let me tell you one surefire way to lose an argument. I speak from a lot of experience where this is concerned. Instantly deny any validity to the other side's position from the outset. It's amazing, really, when you tell people, human beings right away, where you're coming from is just totally illegitimate or illegitimate and therefore not worthy of my consideration. They have a tendency not to try to figure out where you're coming from by extension. And you would think we would know this because political correctness was created to do this to us. Disagree with you? Uh, You're a racist, misogynistic, homophobic, xenophobic bigot, therefore I don't have to consider your points. Do we like it when that's done to us? Nope. So we can't do it to the other side. Plus, there's that whole golden rule thing, that whole love your neighbors, you love yourself thing. Now, this is where emotion on our side runs rampant, and you guys sometimes believe I said something I did not say. Did I say to grant the other side's argument? Is that what I said, Todd? No. Did I say to grant their argument, Aaron? No. No, I didn't. How often have you ever seen me grant the other side's argument, guys? <laughs> they, they if, Now, if they've got Zapruder film evidence on me, I'll, I'll grant the point. Anything short of that, have you ever seen me grant somebody's point unless they have clearly proven their point? Is it my natural disposition when I argue and debate to grant your point? Is that where I'm coming well, from? You wrote a book that we normally discuss
1: during yes. the segment that says Don't Accept the Premise. This and we're taking
2: a coming? break from it this week because this point we're making this week yes. is the whole embodiment of the book and very important. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about granting their point. I'm just talking about listening to it. Listening. One of the things I've often taught to youth and to other people I've consulted with is what I call three-dimensional thinking. The first dimension is to know why you believe what you believe. Now that is a divine mandate. St. Peter himself, hey, know the reasons for the hope that you have so you have a ready defense when your belief, when your faith is challenged. That's a mandate. Now, most of us really on the right don't know why we believe what we believe. We know the Fox News answers. I'm against the welfare state because government programs are inefficient. Well, hey, go tell a single mom, like my mom was when she was 15 and had me and we were on government cheese, go tell her we're not giving your kid reduced lunch in kindergarten kindergarten because government programs are inefficient. Think she wants to hear that argument? no no. so we need to know why our government programs inefficient that's a different conversation how many of us right now can answer that question I can tell you un poquito small we don't give up we don't have a lot of the worldview answers we have the Fox News talking points down government programs inefficient I believe in the second amendment Um, pro-life with exceptions right aren't these our this is the pro this is the this is the Fox News lexicon everybody has this down but this is also why we suck at debating too. Because when they push back on us, what do most of our people do? When we get just like what happens to them, when we get them beyond their talking points, what usually happens to them? And we're going to talk. We're gonna see more evidence of that here in just a minute. What happens to them when we get beyond their talking points? They implode. But is that just unique to them? No. No. What happens to many of us when we get beyond our talking points? We do too. So, the first dimension is to know why you believe what you believe. Second dimension, know why other people believe what they believe. Where's the other side coming from? What premise are they beginning from? This is a classic warfare tactic. Unless you're in an immediate danger, self-defense situation, does any general go off to war without doing some recon? The most powerful, dominant, undefeated general of all time, almighty God, got the Jews together before he sent them into the Holy Land, Said, hey, select a man from each tribe. And then he told them to go and do what? Spy. Go into the land, find out where they're strongest, survey the enemy, have a plan. Don't just be all like, well, we're just going to sit right here. God gave us the land. I'm going to sit right here. Gonna... It doesn't work that way. Like, I bought my kid a car. Is it her car? Well, yeah, I bought it for her, right? But if she never grabs the keys and puts them in the ignition and drives away, is it really hers? See what I'm trying to say? Did I as her father give her a car? Yes. Did God as their father give them the land? Yes. But what was the next line? Now you must go and claim it. By not claiming it, you're essentially acting as if I didn't give you the land, which is a lack of faith. That's why God was so mad. The spies came back, and instead of saying, all right, they're over here on Park Avenue, then they're over here on Boardwalk, and the ones on North Carolina, we're like, chopping all their heads off. It's going to be so cool. They came back with, man, these guys are bigger, stronger, tougher than us. That's why God was so mad. He didn't tell them go in there and spy like you might lose. Let's just get this thing done as quick as possible. I gave this thing to you. Go find out where they're at, and then we'll sound the shofar, and the killing starts at noon. Okay, then we're done. They came back with, they came back with, oh, we can't beat these guys. We're screwed. So he gave them the land, but then they wouldn't claim it. They acted as if it wasn't theirs. They refused their birthright. Who else refused their birthright? Esau does. The Jews, by the way, traced their lineage back to who? Esau's brother, Jacob who was given the name Israel. Esau gave up his birthright for a pot of stew, the many of the tribes at that age, of that era gave up their birthright for fear, same impulse that drove Esau. I'm hungry, I'm fearful I may starve. Let me not critically think here that my brother looks ridiculous right now dressed up as me. Why am I falling for this? Cuz I'm hungry, I'm afraid. I just watched God, part seas, speak to me through a pillar of cloud and a consuming fire. But these people are really tall or something, so I'm pretty sure we're screwed now. That's a complete rejection of your birthright. That's why God was mad. So he gave them the land, but they must claim it. He sent spies in, know where they're at, know who they are. Now, if God wanted his generals to plan out their line of attack when victory was assured, what should we as humans, when victory is not, what do you think we probably ought to do? Same exact thing. Why is it in every culture that uh, there is always a capital offense of treason? Why? Because it means you're aiding and abetting who? The The enemy. The enemy. How are you aiding and abetting the enemy? Giving them information about us and our weaknesses they otherwise may not have that they will then use against us. That's how important this second dimension is, guys. We have to know where other people are coming from. Now, most of us won't even get the first dimension. Barely anybody goes to number two. Number three, though. Number one is where you know your argument, number two is where you know the other sides, number three is where you win the argument. Know why other people believe what they believe about what you believe. There's a great story. One of the great evangelical teachers of the 20th century. And he was at a conference teaching on apologetics. And he is he is deconstructing at his conference a non-trinitarian view of Christianity. Some may say it's unorthodox, may go far as to say it's a heresy. And he is disemboweling it. And everything he's saying is correct. It's right out of the scriptures. But he is destroying the argument. And a young man who grew up in a church that taught these views stands up halfway through his presentation and begins arguing with him in the hall that he was speaking in. And this guy is considered one of the world's foremost apologists of a foremost protestant apologist on planet earth. This is like tugging on Superman's cape and said, "You know, I think I can fly that thing better than you." Okay? Because even if you even if you might be right, he probably can make your arguments better than you can. I mean, but this guy's really convicted. Because he was raised in a church body that told him beliefs different from what's being communicated and told him that this was Christianity. The teacher when challenged from the audience destroys this young man. Destroys him. Everything he says is true. Young man leaves, tears in his eyes, walks out. He's embarrassed. He's had his pants pulled down. He's been depanted. The crowd loves it, of course. He finishes his presentation. They have an hour break before he gives another session. He's out in the hallway grabbing some coffee. young man walks up to him tears in his eyes going down his cheeks and he said you know I was raised in a church that taught me Jesus wasn't really the son of God he was a son of God that the Bible isn't the ultimate word of God but there's other books out there that tell us more that fill in the gaps but we sang all the same Christmas hymns that you did. We sang all the same Christmas songs that you did. I went to, I went, I went to my friend's evangelical youth ministry because I liked it more than the church I was at. And I gave my heart to Jesus at the same youth retreat he did. But you just destroyed me. And he's really emotional. And this man, this great apologist said, at that moment he recognized I had won the argument and lost the war. Because I failed to see this was an actual human being and not a construct of ideas. Not a theoretical application or mechanism of beliefs that I find to be unorthodox or heretical. But I forgot this is a person God made in his image, counted his hair, every hair on his head. I took this guy's skepticism and questioning as a skepticism and questioning of me when Jesus appears to Saul on the road of Damascus, does he say, why are you persecuting my people? What does he say to him? Why are you persecuting me? Me, he says, not my people. See, he made it about him. And took someone that he might have won over to the side of orthodoxy and drove him away. And he said, I, I, I tried to remember that for the rest of my time as a speaker and apologist. So I can win the argument, but lose the person, lose the war. This is why we need to know why people, do people reject Christianity because they just hate God? Yeah, they do, sometimes. Sometimes they reject it, though, because someone who claimed to be a Christian in their life did something really bad to them, betrayed them in some way, abused them in some way. How many women do you think that have been, that attended Baylor University, the largest Baptist university on planet Earth? that either were involved in the sexual assault culture going on on that campus or were around it or privy to it, how many of them do you think have struggled with their own faith because of what they saw going on on that campus that purported to be an institution of that belief? They wouldn't really be human if it didn't impact them in some way, some limited way, would they? Todd, you can probably speak to this as a Catholic with the sex abuse scandal of the early 2000s. How many people sat there and thought, how could you let this go on? And why should if you, don't, if you guys don't really believe what you're teaching to the point of getting rid of this evil, then why would you ask me to believe something more than you believe it? So, yes, we suppress the truth in our own unrighteousness. But sometimes our own unrighteousness is fueled by an unrighteousness that we have witnessed or has been done to us. We'll never know that, though, if we just assume the other person is a construct and not a human being and this is why we have to know why do people believe what they believe about what we believe. We will not win arguments. We will have arguments and a lot of them, but we will not win any until we can ask that question. I want to apply that to the gun control issue today. There is a tremendous column written by a researcher at 538. That's Nate Silver. Nate Silver a conservative guys? No. No. Nate Silver, by the way, his original job was ESPN, and then it was the New York Times. You know, really proud right-wing media entities, right? Not so much. This woman is a researcher at 538. Her name is Leah Labrisco. She wrote a column yesterday for the Washington Post based on three months of research and analysis that she was a part of at 538 about gun control and mass shootings. I want to read this to you, and then we're going to respond to it. She writes, Before I started researching gun deaths, gun control policy, gun control policy used to frustrate me. I wish the NRA would stop blocking common sense gun control reforms. <clears throat> pardon me such as banning assault weapons restricting silencers shrinking magazine sizes and all the other measures that could make guns less deadly then my colleagues and I at 538 spent three months analyzing all 33,000 lives ended by guns each year in the United States and I wound up frustrated in a new way we looked at what interventions might have saved those people <clears throat> and the case for the policies I'd lobbied for crumbled when i examined the evidence the best ideas left standing were narrowly tailored interventions to protect subtypes of potential victims not broad attempts to limit the the lethality of guns i researched the strictly tightened gun laws in britain and australia and concluded they didn't prove much about what america's policy should be neither nation experienced drops in mass shootings or other gun related crimes that could be attributed to their buybacks and bans Mass shootings were too rare in Australia for their absence after the buyback program to be clear evidence of progress. And in both Australia and Britain, the gun restrictions had an ambiguous effect on other gun-related crimes or deaths. When I looked at the other oft-praised policies, I found out that no gun owner walks into a store to buy an assault weapon. It's an invented classification that includes any semi-automatic that has two or more features, such as a bayonet mount, a rocket-propelled grenade launcher mount, a folding stock, or a pistol grip. But guns are modular, and any hobbyist can easily add these features at home, just as if they were snapping together Legos. As for silencers, they deserve that name only in movies, where they reduce gunfire to a soft puke-puke. In real life, silencers limit hearing damage for shooters, but don't make gunfire dangerously quiet. An AR 15 with a silencer is still about as loud as a jackhammer. Magazine limits were a, more, were a little more promising, but a practice shooter could still change magazines so fast to make the limits meaningless. As my coworkers and I kept looking at the data, it seemed less and less clear that one broad control restriction could make a difference. Two-thirds of gun deaths in the U.S. every year are suicides. That's why yesterday we drew the distinction between gun murder and gun deaths. Mm -hmm. Almost no proposed restriction would make it meaningfully harder for people with guns on hand to use them. I couldn't even answer my most desperate question. If I had a friend who had guns in his home and a history of suicide attempts, was there anything I could do that would actually help? However, the next largest set of gun deaths, one in five, were young men aged 15 to 34 killed in homicides. These men were most likely to die at the hands of other young men, often related to gang loyalties or other street violence. And the last notable group of similar deaths was the 1700 women murdered per year, usually as the result of domestic violence. Far more people were killed in these ways than in mass shooting incidents, but few of the popularly floated policies were tailored to serve them. That's an important point. I'll get to in a moment. By the time we published our project, I didn't believe in many of the interventions I'd heard politicians tout. I was still anti-gun, at least from a point of view of most gun owners, and don't want a gun in my home as I think the risk outweighs the benefits. But I can't endorse policies whose only selling point is that gun owners hate them. Policies that often seem as if they were drafted by people who have encountered guns only as a figure in a briefing book or an image on the news. Even the most data-driven practices, such as New Orleans' plan to identify gang members for intervention based on previous arrest and weapon seizures, wound up more personal than most policies floated. The young men at risk can be identified by an algorithm, but they have to be disarmed by one personally, not en masse as though they were all interchangeable. A reduction in gun deaths is most likely to come from finding smaller chances for victories and expanding those solutions as much as possible. We save lives by focusing on a range of tactics to protect the different kinds of potential victims and reforming potential killers. Not from sweeping bands focused on the guns themselves. What you just heard is a woman arguing for gun control what you hear in most of the media and on most of the left are not arguments for gun control. They are arguments for gun confiscation. For if they were making arguments about gun control, they would have done what Leah Labrisco did here. They would have looked at the evidence and said, all right, the goal is to save as many people as possible from being wrongly killed with a weapon. So let's first of all find out who are the people most predisposed to be killed with a weapon. They did that. Otherwise, you may create solutions, problem, you may create problems to solutions, not solutions to problems. You may take a gun out of the hand of that usher at that church in Nashville last week who took down a Somali who walked in there with cruel intentions, who wanted to murder everybody in the, in the, in the, in the parish. You may take a gun out of his hand and all those people may be dead. So she's looking at this critically. And what she found was, we aren't actually pursuing targeted policies that might reduce gun deaths. We are using these mass tragedies to make sweeping arguments against, the, against guns in the Second Amendment. See, if Leah was here with us, what I would say to her is, my friend, you made the mistake of believing your side's arguments were actually their arguments I know what that feels like <laughs> I have spent most of my adult life believing the Republican party's arguments I know that were, rabbit hole yes, were actually their arguments you really believe they just wanted gun safety and gun control so you earnestly looked at the data. Hey, let's find out who's the most likely to be wrongly killed with a gun and come up with how we can go after the people that are the most likely to do it. And you know what you found? The clientele that is the most that we could most help women in domestic violence like my mom was when I was growing up. And we had guns in the home. We've got nothing for them. Instead, it's just like, get rid of everything. Well, that doesn't help anybody. Chances are, if you're willing to beat the mother of your own children one inch within her life in the home, and I saw this when I was a kid, so I know what I'm talking about. If you're willing to beat the mother of your own children within an inch of life in her home, chances are the fact that Walmart won't sell you a gun won't stop you from doing, taking the next final step. That's the question she's, she's guilty of really believing her own side's. Her own side's talking points, just as we often have been on the right. We've got this pro-life hero out there yesterday, now on, via, on tape, or on, on, on message via text, telling his mistress, why don't you go get the, why don't you kill the kid before, get rid of the evidence, go kill the kid. What did pundit say? Today's evidence, today in the Republican Party, doesn't believe most of the stuff it actually espouses. Amen. This is what drew me to this. It wasn't even just that she was helping my own argument. I felt empathy for her. Cuz when I read, when I read this, I felt a kindred spirit. Meaning more than you know actually. I have yeah, some information about that. Do you? Meaning meaning someone who wanted to believe we could make things better with these things. <coughs> Pardon me, and then went out and tried to consistently do that found Number one, I'm not sure we can, and number two, even if even if there's some areas we could, you're not interested in those. You have another agenda happening here. You have some other information. Well, on you, this? you'll
1: like this because I just like sometimes when you and Aaron are talking inside baseball and evangelical circles. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I I follow uh, her blog regularly. She is a former atheist who has joined the Catholic Church. So that feeds into
2: just what you're saying. Her eyes have been opened in more ways than one. I hear you. Okay, okay, that makes a lot more sense now. She's had a paradigm shift. So she's willing to. This is what happened to me. Yes. After I got converted, I became more conservative, less Republican. I got when you
1: said kindred spirit, I got a little tingle up my spine because little did you know. I'm, oh, huh. when I
2: when I was when I was a hardcore Republican, all I was pro-choice, pro-amnesty. I just wanted lower taxes and the government out of my life. When I got converted, I became far more conservative, guys, far more conservative. You would have, you you would not have recognized who I was. I'd have still called myself a conservative. I'd have had a lot of different opinions. What happened to me when I went through that paradigm shift is I got far more conservative and a lot less Republican. Sounds to me like in her mind, she got a lot more liberal, a lot less Democrat, if you know what I'm trying to yep. say. You guys aren't really interested in solutions. You have a totally separate agenda here. I'm a, I'm a legitimate do-gooder. I'm trying to be a do-gooder here. You guys are just freaking Marxists. Marxist opportunists. Similar to, I really believe in limited government. I really believe in pro-growth economic policies. You guys are just corporatist robber barons, man. That's all you are.
1: I love it when the veil falls away.
2: I indeed. Love it. indeed. Her and I could probably have one hell of yeah. a conversation, would be my guess. This is why we need to know why other people believe what they believe about what we believe. We would never reach a woman like this if we, d- if we saw her strictly as a construct. That also means don't immediately take her stuff to mean she's on your side. But be on the side of the truth. See, there are arguments they could make that would really be difficult for us. I'll make one. If they made the argument, in fact, if in fact, I'll go rules for patriots in reverse to prove my point, if they used our own talking points on immigration vetting, and if they said, "We need extreme vetting of mental illness, gun ownership in America, extreme vetting. Now, many of us on our side would be would have a reflexive opposition to that for fear that, Well, you guys think those of us who believe in the Bible have a mental illness, right? Right, you're gonna you're gonna put everybody that doesn't believe in the that government is God. You're gonna put all of us on a uh, do not fly list for arm for you know buying uh, weapons. That and is there historically some evidence to support that level of paranoia? That's why the yes, that's why we have a Second Amendment. The founders lifted that paranoia. The redcoat showed up and said, "Hey, you minutemen, you know we just want to make sure your guns are up to snuff, clean, safe, in the right hands. Just show us where your stashes are, and we'll we'll just make sure we regulate it for you from there." Okay, there's a lot of history. It, the, the, what cracks me up is the is uh, is the same people saying Trump's a fascist are then saying disarm the citizenry, dumbasses. For the worst thing to do if you believe Trump is a fascist is to disarm the citizenry. What's the first thing every fascist in history has ever done, guys? Disarm the. Disarmed. Citizen. In fact, they even did this in ancient They even did this in first century Israel, when Jesus says to his followers, "Take a sword with you." He he's telling them to break the law, guys. Jews couldn't own swords. You know why they couldn't own swords? Because a few, because about a century before Jesus shows up, this guy named Antiochus Epiphanes is in charge of what was known as Palestine. Alexander the Great left it to him, and he was a heathen pagan. And he walks into the temple in Jerusalem, takes a pig, and he slaughters it as an offering to Zeus. And the Jews sit around like, ah, oh, hell no, hell no. I mean, I I know Jehovah told us, obey the earthly authorities until they do something like that. When they do something like that, hell to the no. And so this group, these these badass dudes called the Maccabees got the people together, stormed the temple, and threw his sorry ass out. And knowing the history of the Jews, the Romans took over and said, yeah, we'll, we'll, take those. we'll kindly take those swords from you. Thanks. <laughs> All right? And oh, by the way, did the zealots obey the laws against sword ownership? Nope. Just made their own swords and used them to kill the Romans. See the point I'm historically trying to make here? This is nothing new under the sun, guys. Okay. So you can't on one hand tell me Trump's a fascist and on the other hand say disarm everybody against the fascist. It makes no sense, which means either you are nonsensical or you're making a false argument, red herring on purpose, What she's exposing is these are false arguments, red herrings on purpose. Because if this was really about gun control, here's an argument we can make. Extreme vetting. Same argument on immigration. Extreme vetting for mental illness. Could you imagine the hole that would put us in if we, did, if we fought back against that? And they, then, especially they love playing the race card, they could just turn right around and say, oh, I get it. A, a brown or black person wants to come to America and they have to be extreme vetted, even though there's no record of them doing anything wrong other than being a refugee. But, we, you, but, but you guys don't want to screen white people for mental illness. Can you just see how devastating... How would we argue against that? I don't believe we could we could not we couldn't make an argument against that that our own side that doesn't already agree with us would not accept that's a potent powerful argument they can use against us why don't they use it why aren't they using it right now they're playing a longer con than that one there's a couple things one is they're so emotionally driven they're not thinking critically it's like the nfl anthem protests and they they, Trump rattled a zipper they came hither they thought for the they thought this whole time they were arguing against Trump no you weren't you were never arguing against Trump your own audience is who's offended and they're not offended because Trump told them so they're offended because of what you were doing that's why they're offended similarly they're so Trump drunk they can't even think clearly about their own talking points And then the other part of it is, those who have thought through their own talking points and are just reacting emotionally, they're the ones playing the longer con that you talked about. This is about gun confiscation. Because one way you could, one way that you might be able to, maybe not win their argument, but you could neutralize it, is the thing you've said on abortion many times. Okay, let's go ahead and just put up a bill, all abortions except rape and incest and life of the mother are banned, and I'm sure all you Democrats will vote for it now, right? Will they vote for it? No. No. Similarly, okay, let's do extreme vetting of mental illness. And then after that, absolute gun ownership. Think they'll vote for that? No. No, they won't. Think she might? Yep. Think she might. Because she's after gun safety and gun control. She actually believes, Leah here, who wrote this article, she actually believes in their talking points. You know who doesn't believe in their talking points? They don't. <laughs> okay? Because they're just talking points. This is an omission. It's insurgency. And those are two totally different things. This isn't FDR's New Deal to save Americans in depravity and poverty and degradation. This is Saul Alinsky and Antonio Gramsci. This is cultural insurgency. This is Cloward Piven, guys. This is not, I just think government should do more for people than you want to that they can't do for themselves. This is re- revisionism, reimagination. Left. this is not liberalism she's a liberal this chick here is a liberal these people are leftists and they look from man to pig and pig to man and back to pig again and they couldn't tell the difference she could have slapped that as the last line of her Washington Post column I give the Post a hell of a lot of credit for even running this I was shocked they ran it shocked shocked they ran this me too But this is why we have to know where the other side is coming from. Can we make their arguments in some cases better than they do? If the answer is no, we're not winning any arguments. We will have arguments. But ladies and gentlemen, my submission here on this Worldview Wednesday is we need to start winning some. Having them's not good enough anymore. We're not the majority anymore. We need to win the argument. We're not going to win the argument if we don't listen to where the other side is coming from to see what's truly driving them. When you listen, then you'll see, granted, for every every, uh, thousand leftists, for every thousand liberals in America, there's probably one of this woman and 999 of they won't listen. But you know what? Don't we serve a God that leaves 99 behind to find the one lost sheep? See, when we instantly write people off, we don't... It, that, that works against our worldview. Because our, the whole basis of our worldview is that if I was the only person in the whole world that would accept Christ's forgiveness and all other people that ever lived would have rejected it, would he still have come and died for me? Yes. Because he would have left 99 behind for the one lost sheep. When we attempt to advance our worldview contrary to our worldview, we lose we lose we don't ever win arguments with, young, with, 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 with people like this woman because we've instantly said you can't be reached some cannot be reached maybe even most can't but make them show that do not instantly act as if you are judge and jury if, if, my, if God would have came to me when my wife and I were just hooking up on internet chat rooms just to get off when we first met and said, you know, you guys think you're getting over right now. I just want you to, let me show you what life is like in 15 years. And hey, look, there's the minivan while you're homeschooling, and there's that silhouetted, silhouetted sticker on the back panel of you and the three kids and the dog. What do you think of that, Steve? <laughs> yeah, this sounds, well, you may think you're having a real hot time right now, right? Just let me give you a little glimpse here of how this is all going to turn out. Because what you meant for evil, I get to use for good. Do you know what I would have done if he had showed me that 15, 20 years ago? Ran far away. No one that knew me in 1996 when I met my wife would ever have guessed I'm doing what I'm doing now. Many people, hey, I was voted most likely to succeed in high school. Many of the people I went to high school with are not shocked I'm doing what I'm doing. You know what they are shocked? That I'm doing it the way I'm doing it. That, that is shocking them. They're shocked to see that. Be very careful about just writing people off whole cloth. We don't like it when the left does that to us. Oh, you're a racist. As soon as I got off of HLN today when I came into the studio, what was the first thing you, feedback you guys said you, you said you saw? What was it? Somebody called me a what? A bleep, A racist bleep. with some colorful other terms attached to it. Yeah, I'm a racist. Do we like it when people treat us this way? Then why do we do it in return and expect it to work? The other side wants us to behave like them. Because if we're both behaving like them, who will eventually win, guys? They will. They will. It's just a matter of time. We can't win God's game by the devil's rules. That does not work. I tried it. Trust me. I got the scars to prove it. Closing thoughts, Todd and Aaron. Well,
1: um, I love the wonderful uh, serendipity that I experienced, but the, the fact that this particular writer... Um, is the one that I've known for quite some uh, time Uh, it's 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 faith building to know that there are people out there we need to see this because good grief uh, go days wandering in the desert without seeing those people who have really genuinely put down the lie and said no more thin gruel I need something better. And now I've seen a woman who's done it on uh, two counts. Um, w- w- believe in those people. As Steve said, no matter what the lie in front of you is, through that lie is somebody like you who is created in the image and likeness of God. And it is worth pounding through that lie to get to them. I'm not
0: gonna say this to try to give myself some sort of pat on the back because I, I don't deserve it because this was not my my first instinct. But I, um, I have a friend who was a classmate, younger than younger than I am, really really uh, intelligent, well spoken guy, right here from the Des Moines area, actually. Uh, and somewhere along the line, he decided that he wanted to go full progressive uh, with his with the, just the way he thinks about things we were I mean he was uh, I think private schooled and homeschooled growing up he went to a private Christian school same one that I did so he had a very similar upbringing to me uh, that uh, that I did uh, or as I did um, and well-spoken uh, very likable guy but he is a full-on progressive and I saw some of the things that he's been posting over the last couple of days on Facebook and I was I was livid and with him and others like him who shouldn't who I think should know better I was so tempted to just blast them every freaking time I saw them post something that was just mind numbing well what I thought was mind numbingly stupid um and then I thought back to a a conversation a a heated conversation that he and I had and another dude had a few years ago back when we were actually co-workers and um i can't remember what exactly we were debating but i think it had had to do with um the government and welfare and he got me to the point where i would seed a point uh, or see, see the the notion that in i think one particular instance people you know definitely need help um but I said, it's that's not the government's job. And I just remember him and this six out in my mind saying, well, somebody's got to do something. And at that point, I said, well, why don't you do something? I, I say all of that to illustrate the point that here's a kid who really should know better. But I think deep down, he... he he is, he is coming from a right place. He doesn't want to see. He doesn't want to live in a world where a dude can just snap and kill 49 people. That's, that's the point. that he, that's, that's where he's coming from. He's just going to the wrong place with the solution. And I hope that somewhat illustrates what you're saying. That there is a person in all of these debates down there. Maybe they're nefarious and they want... Uh, maybe, maybe they are just trying to take advantage of this, uh, of situations like this to confiscate guns, as we've said. But I think a lot of times there's a person there who just uh, who just doesn't want to see and live mm-hmm. in a world like this. And that's something that I think we need to, to remember all the time.
2: And by the way, even if the worldview is flawed and the application of it is worse, where does that sense of justice within them come from?
0: The Imago Day.
2: That's right. That's exactly right. We can work with that, but we have to be willing to listen, not grant false premises. Don't. Ha- How many times do I have to say stop granting? How many shows have I done on don't accept the premise? How many times, guys? How many times? It's on blue in the face. Okay. But some of you act as if. We can't even treat other people that disagree with us. Even, even people that want to use the government against us, that that gives us license to not treat them as human beings. And that's where I'm going to draw the line and say, no, I'm out. By all means, lawfully, within, and not even within man's law, within the law of God, the highest law, use every morsel of that law and its ethos to defend the freedom and liberty God gave you. But part of that ethos is that we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And if if defending our freedoms and liberty call us to violate that, well, we claim our rights come from God, but yet we want to violate God's law to have our God-given rights. Does that make any sense to you guys? Makes as much sense to me as let me use the let me have the same government that destroyed healthcare, the budget, education, and health. And and I already said healthcare, uh, energy, education, healthcare, and the budget, and the family. Let's put them in charge of uh, self-defense. That sounds dumb when you put it when you look at it like that, doesn't it? About as dumb as yeah. I think I'm going to violate God's law to stand up for God's law. It's like it, it'd be have as to dumb- suspend I was just going to say that, it'd be, it'd be like if we had a president dumb enough to one day say something like, "I got to suspend free market principles to save the free market." Oh, yeah, we, we had that. How'd that work? Uh, well, it gave us eight years of a Marxist in the White House it worked out like that. That's what going against your own premise. I don't believe in accepting the other side's premise. I don't believe in violating my own though, either. Thank you for listening to today's free podcast, courtesy of CRTV. Don't forget promo code DACE to watch our show today on CRTV. Promo code D E A C E. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John three seventeen.
1: This is Steve Dace. I like you.